Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Dave. Thank you, Jericho Road, for having us. It's amazing to be with you. I've met Dave when he first moved to Nanaimo now four years ago and been a hard to come here and it's been a, a journey, but we're so excited to be here and share with you all of it. So if that's okay with you, I'll share a bit about me and the ministry, and then I'd love to dig in the Word together from the passage that we read, Exodus chapter 4. So I'm here this morning with Christina, my wife, and she, yes, and Joseph, our little guy. He's turning a year old this week, next week, in two weeks, pretty soon, pretty soon. <laughs> And uh, it's been amazing to be a father, not sleep at night, and, uh, oh, no, that's not the amazing part, but uh, it's been really good. I've learned a lot. I still have a lot to learn. I'm growing, and it's good to serve God. If you would have told me just a few years ago I was going to be in Port Alberni sharing the word, I wouldn't have believed you. I remember when I was in grade 8, and I had to do a two-minute-hour presentation. I was sweating blood just thinking about it, and... I grew up in a small town called Shawinigan in Quebec, and in my town, no one speaks English but the English teacher at school, and even them, it's debatable if it's English or not, but anyhow, no one speaks English, and I had to do a two-minute hour presentation in English, and I couldn't take, I I wasn't allowed to bring a sheet of paper, so I learned it by heart, and my heart was going about 600 beats a minute, and I got up front. And I said all this, my two-minute all presentation, and 25 and a quarter seconds later, I was back on my seat. And I was like, I don't want to think about what just happened. We're leaving the past behind. And after class, some people was, were coming to me, and some of my friends, so I thought they were my friends. He comes and he says, Samuel, what did you talk about? Because we couldn't understand a single word you said. I said, I promise before man and God today, I will never speak English again in my life. (laughs) Careful what you say. And so God works miracles, for sure. And one of those miracles that I want to share is what God's doing at VIU. And, you know, I came on, on staff there four years ago now. This is my fourth year. With a clear vision, our vision was to equip university students to be Christian leaders. We need leaders in our churches, in, the, in their workplace, in their community, and in their families. Because we believe that what Canada needs is not better doctors, is not better politicians. What we need is better Christian leaders in all the spheres of our lives. And so that was the clear vision. We came with this. And after four years, things were slowly falling in place. And man, every year at the beginning of the year is really chaotic. Everyone's coming back on campus. You're trying to get everything organized. But this year... I finally got in the groove, and we had the worship team was prepared, the volunteers were prepared, our, our room was booked, everything was working so well. I was like, man, God is good. Everything so, is going so well. And, you know, like, um, I don't know if you've done ministry or if you've tried to organize things, but something always goes wrong. And I was like, nothing's going wrong. This is amazing. God is good. Two days before our launch event, I get a call, and. Uh, it's it's the booking lady from the building. We we meet in the international building, and it's the only VIU is a growing campus. There's 10,000 students full time this year that will be at VIU, and 
Um, 3,000 of those are international students. So it's, it's, the wall is coming to us. It's a growing campus, but it has a small mentality where there's not very many big room on campus. This is the only big room. And so she gives me a call and she says, Samuel, I have a good news and a bad news for you. And um, I, s- I like to deal with the bad stuff first. So I say, what's the bad news? She says, well, the bad news is um, we can't take, there's a divider in the center of the room and we need the classroom and we can't take it off for you. And what's the good news? The room's booked for you. Okay. And obviously, like, she's not a Christian, but I tried to explain to her, um, we can't have a divider in the center of the room. This is just not how it works. And I was, like, thinking, this is, you know, like, when the Jews were meeting in synagogues and the non-Jew would meet on a separate, you know, behind the curtain, I was like, we're not going back to this. This is not how it goes. And she's like, well, you can meet, but you'll be in separate rooms. But that's not how it works. We can't have a wall. And all last year, we focused on the book of Joshua. And I felt like Joshua in chapter 6, you know, like this is my wall. I got to take that thing down. I got to burn it down. I don't know what we're going to do. But this is coming down. So I tell her, what, what do we have to do? Do we have to pay money? What do we have, what do, we have to do? And she says, oh, I don't know. And, and we need to make a work order for facilities. And facilities need to get involved in this. And they were upset that we used to have a key. But they took the key and we don't have a key. And oh, this whole thing, and everyone's stressed out because school's starting. So I said, okay, I'll figure a way. I'll find something. And the first thing I did is I reached out to some of our partners, and I texted them, and I tell them, pray for us. We need to pray. Because this wall, Jericho wall came down with prayer. They walked around with prayer, and we need to soak this in prayer. And we know that if we're going to have victory on this campus, it's not, not going to be because of great leaders. It's not going to be because of a great program, but it'll be because Jesus shows up. And we needed Jesus to show up. And so we prayed, and I went to the student union, and I know some of the people. And, and this is a good tip that I learned is you better build relationships every day because you never know how things are going to turn. You don't know who you're going to need and when you're going to need them. And I was glad that I was nice to – I tried to be nice to everyone, even when it's difficult. But the student union, they're really good. So I went to them, and Cheryl, she handles all the bookings. It's the second day of class, two days before lunch. She's got a pile this high of bookings on her desk. And I go and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, please. And I say, hi, Cheryl. Uh, hi, Cheryl. And then she says, hey, Samuel. I say, I have a problem. She says, okay, come and sit. And I was really surprised she put all this on the side. And I start telling her what's going on and how, you know, the divider is a real issue. She says, that's not acceptable. I'm like, I agree with you. This is not acceptable. <laughs> she says, I'm going to figure this out. Give me a few hours and I'll be back. She literally gets up locks our door, and walks down to facilities to figure out what was going to happen. She gives me a call an hour and a half later, and she says, how soon can you be in the room? Because i got a key. And so Blake and I went in the room, and they kind of showed us about how to take the divider off, and guess what? We took the wall down. <laughs> and it's just amazing that how God works and how God can use even a non-Christian like Cheryl to bring his purpose on campus. And and, you know, live students are being transformed. Here's a quick testimony from Hannah. She said, I felt so discouraged. I felt disconnected from God for so long. And at UCM, God really revealed himself to me, and I felt like he took a huge burden off of me. And there are people like Hannah walking this campus that have never experienced God's peace in their life before. They live with this chaos inside of them, and they, they wonder, what is life about? Is this really what it's all about? And they have never heard about Jesus in their life. And we get to reach out to these people. So please, we, we can't do this 
with how you pray, with how you support us. And we'll be in the back at the end. We have some prayer cards every week. I send a little email to, uh, with a, a specific prayer request and a little update and a picture. I'd love for you to sign up for this newsletter. And together, today we're shaping tomorrow. So let's do it. The message this morning. Um, well, let me show you a quick story to, uh, to begin this, okay? Do you, guys like, do you guys like stories? You guys love stories. You do testimonies. Bill was going, he, he says, my daughter likes to talk to his mom. I don't know why she got that. I think I know why she got that. That was good. Thank you so much, Bill. That was a great introduction for you, Sam. And so uh, we, I um, went to school for way too many years, and then I was wondering, can I do anything with my hands? Can I do something useful with these? And um, I thought we wanted to have pets. We thought it would be a good idea to try to keep something alive before we have a child and see if, if we're suitable keepers. And so we thought, oh, we could have a dog. Um, if you're a cat person, I'm sorry. I, I was like, if we had a, a rat problem, then I'll have cats, but... I don't, anyhow, I won't talk about cats. We decided, we wanted something that was going to, I'm like, if, if you're staying here, you've got to pay rent. And, and so a dog could protect us, but I th- we thought, what, what pet could we have that would be like p- useful, right? And so a chicken sounded like a really good idea. <laughs> because we get eggs and we have food and I love food. And so... We got, I built a chicken coop and we got chickens and we love our chicken. We love our eggs. And, but last week, something very sad happened. There was a chicken on the loose. We call, we, we raised uh, free range chickens. And that means that sometimes we let them free. But freedom comes at a cost. You see, freedom is dangerous. In the freedom, there are eagles and cats and dangerous things like cars very quick and so this chicken was loose it was gone we didn't know where the chicken was we have five chickens we found four they came back but one was gone and Krishna he, she's like frantic looking she's like saying we lost a chicken and so she's looking for this chicken and I said I'm going to go look on the camera so I, we have cameras around the house I look on the camera and I see the chicken Five minutes before she came outside to look for him, chicken is walking on our driveway. And then behind it, there's a cat praying. Not like praying, but like. <laughs> or maybe it was praying. Who knows? Maybe cats are very spiritual. And they pray before their meal, you know? But they, they obviously, yeah, they pray before their meal. So, anyhow, so this cat, I'm like, oh no. I didn't tell Christina that yet. But she's been looking now for that chicken. For I had some meetings with some students, and she's been looking for that chicken for three hours and with her mom. So I go outside, and I say, honey, it's okay. And she starts crying. She's very sad. The chicken's gone. I say, I know. It's a $15 chicken. <laughs> and then one of the business students at VIU, when I'm telling the story, says, that's a bad investment. Three hours for a $15 chicken. But... This is the real life we're talking about, Christina says, right? It's more than, this is not just a fit. We can't get another one of this chicken. Be another chicken. It's sad. It hurts. And she says, I found some remains. Oh, no. 
at the end of the driveway. So we walk to the end of the driveway and there's three turds on the ground. She says, I think the chicken's been here, but I already knew it's been there because I saw it on the camera. That cat really scared it, eh? (laughs) So we're looking everywhere around the neighbor's house and everywhere. We can't find that chicken. Chicken's gone. So we say, it's okay. We still have four chickens. At least we didn't lose our child. We learned our lesson. Don't let them outside too long alone. So... We go inside, and Krista's mom, about half an hour later, she, it's, she wants to, she's getting ready to go because it's almost dinner time. She's going to go cook dinner in her house. So they get ready, and they go outside. And Krista comes back. She says, Samuel, you won't believe what was right by the door. The chicken came back. Well, I was very surprised. I was very surprised. We, lo- we looked everywhere. We couldn't find that chicken. I don't know where that chicken was hiding, but that chicken came back. The title of the message this morning is, You'll Be Surprised. <laughs> You'll be surprised what God can do when you think you lost everything. You'll be surprised. Some of you, you think that you have a broken identity and you think that God can't use you because of what you didn't do or what you did or what you lost or what you don't have. But this morning, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised what God can do. That God could use a broken man like Moses to accomplish his purpose. That Moses had an opportunity when he was young and he blew it. He was a prince in Egypt. He had everything. If there was one moment in his life when he would have been able to do something for his people is when he was a prince. But he blew it and he ran away and hid And now he thought he's lost his opportunity to do the calling that God had on his life. And someone here this morning, because of previous mistakes that you did, you think that you blew it, that God abandoned his calling on your life, and you think God will never use you again. But I want to tell you this morning, you'll be surprised. Because as as imperfect as you are, with the little you have, God wants to use you today. The enemy's strategy is very simple. It's been the same for a very long time because it works. He wants you to believe that you're not normal, that you're not a good Christian, and that you messed up your life so badly that there's no way that it can be fixed. But God is about to surprise you this morning. This morning you'll be surprised what God can do with the little you have. You'll be surprised what God can do with your past. And you'll be surprised what God can do with your insecurities. And this will be our outline this morning. What God can do with the little you have. When I was 12 years old, I was scared of two things only. The first one, girls may struggle understanding this one, but boys will relate. I was really scared of peeing against the wind, wetting my pants, and embarrassing myself. (laughs) I wish I wasn't talking by experience. And my second fear was my mother. And if you would have met her, you would know what I'm talking about. We went to Six Flags, and uh, we had a great day. One of our favorite rides was the bumper cars. 
I loved it. I'm, I'm the oldest of four, and my siblings, that means that my siblings are smaller than me. And so when I would ram them, they would bounce, right? And it was really good. My dad was a different story, though. I would, I would be really good, and I would ram into my dad, but I felt like I was the one bumping, even though I was bumping into him. So I avoided him, but, man, it was so fun, and we had a fun, fun ride. And afterwards, we're talking, and my brother was saying, he says, Samuel, where's your jacket? Oh, crap. My brand-new jacket. It's my first day wearing it. So I'm running back to the bumper car, little, what do you call this? Anyhow, this, but the bumper car area. And I, and I go to the person that lets you in and I say, hey, I, I forgot my jacket. Did anyone bring your jacket? And I'm like really scared because if mom finds out that I lost my jacket, I'd rather pee against the wind. Let me, let's just say that. Bob can't find out I lost a brand new jacket. He is going to be so upset. And I'm freaking out. And he says, oh, no, no one brought a jacket. I'm like, can I go out before the next crew goes in? Can I go look in the bumper car to see if my jacket is there? Because maybe it's put in underneath where the panels are or something. And he says, sure, whatever. And so I said, thank you. And then I go and I'm looking in all the bumper cars. And guess what I found? <laughs> the chicken. <laughs> I should have written that. That was good. So, no jacket. I start crying, walking out the bumper car area. And my dad had compassion on me. And he says, don't tell anything to your mother. I'm like, I wasn't going <laughs> to. And he says, we'll go to the store. Tomorrow, we'll get you a jacket, the same, and mom won't know. But you have to use your personal money. I'll pay double. <laughs> so we go to the store, and we're looking for this jacket, and they have large and large. And I'm not a large kind of guy, you know, like, so large, large, small. Oh, please, Jesus, give me a medium. And uh, we found a medium. Whew. We go to the cash register, and we're just getting ready to purchased this jacket. I'm pulling all my money and counting every penny, you know. And the phone rings. You cannot make that stuff up, okay? The phone rings. Samuel? Is your name Samuel? Yes. It's for you. What the? My voice is shaking. Hello? Where are you? Hi, Mom. What do you mean, where am I? You call me here. (laughs) What are you doing? I don't know. (laughs) What are you doing? And um, so I didn't buy that jacket. Mom found out my brother ratted me out. You got to leave the stuff behind, guys. And so I went through misery that day, but... um, I learned a valuable lesson. What is behind, what is lost, is lost. And sometimes we try to hold on to what we had so hard, but it doesn't do us any good. If only I hadn't lost it. If only I still have what I used to have. If only I would have done this program instead. If only I would have married this person instead. If only. 
And some of you, you're stuck in the past in the if-only world, but God doesn't care about what you would have done and if only you would have done this, things differently. God wants to use you today with whatever little you have today. Verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, What is in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. God doesn't say, what did you have when you were a prince and at the height of your powerful reign in Egypt? What did you have? No, he says, what do you have today? God doesn't care what Moses used to have. He says, what do you have today? And here's what Moses says. Well, God, I used to have a beautiful scepter that was respected and was a a symbol of my power all over Egypt. People obeyed and followed my instruction. But now, now Moses says, I got nothing. I got a stupid staff sheep won't even respect. All I have is this simple, ordinary staff. And some of you, you feel like you've lost everything, that you don't have anything. A new CBC, um, a CBC poll came out this week. I was reading 46% of Canadians, 46% of Canadians are $200 or less away from insolvency. People just can't manage life anymore. They can't even. They don't even have two hundred dollars. They'd have to borrow money if something unexpected happened. People are stuck. Some of you, you're stuck. You you don't know where to go next. There's too little to go around and too much to do. But I want to remind you this morning that Moses freed an entire nation out of slavery with nothing but a staff. If God could use a staff for his glory like this, how much more do you think he can use what you have? God this morning isn't interested in what you would have done if you had more. God is interested in what you have right now. He is interested in the little you have today. Because the little you have is all God needs to bring the miracle and the transformation in your life. And this morning you'll be surprised what God can do with your past. You know, God doesn't change but time change and people change and we change. I remember when Crystal and I first got married. It was a long time ago, like five and a half years, so long. We were so young back then. The good old days. We were so poor. We had two kind of dates. We had cheap dates and free dates. Free dates are the best, yep, especially when you got no money. And, um, but when we wanted to splurge, we went on a cheap date. And that was like a pretty big deal. And when we really wanted to go all out, we would go to 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> come on now, come on. $5 pizza, I'll take one of those. Samosas, 3 4 dollar. Come on, stack up, stack and fill that bag. Come on now. And then we would go home and we would watch YouTube because it's free. And man, we would eat this deliciously salty block of salt. It was, goodness gracious, this stuff is salty. But we were young. Who cares? I could eat all that and then we went to bed like nothing ever happened. Slept like babies. Now I only just like have, I look at a Doritos bag of chips and I can't sleep. It's too salty. You know, 
Things change. I wish I could still eat like an animal like this and go to bed afterwards, but God remains the same, but things change and people change. Moses used to be a prince in Egypt. He used to have it all. He used to have silky smooth skin like me because he had never done anything with his life, but but now he had rough skin of a farmer. Things had changed, and they were about to change again. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous and become white as snow. And God is asking you this morning, why are you still trying to do this on your own? What is it going to take for you to give me even the little you have? Moses had lost everything. Just like some of you lost everything and for so long you've been hanging on to that little bit. It's just a tiny little bit that you have left and you're not letting it go. You've already given everything else to God, but you say, no, I can't give you this. Because what if you don't come through God? I'll have nothing. So Moses is holding on. He's holding on so tight to the little bit he has with all his strength. And God says, I have something better for you, but no, God I've got to hold on to that little bit. You don't understand. It's all I have. And so God says, your hand, the hand you trust so much, Moses, the hand you rely on for everything, the only thing that you have left is what you can do with these hands. He says, take it. Would you take your hand like this this morning with me? He says, take your hand. This hand is the little you have. This hand is your human strength. This hand is your human ability. This hand is what you relied on yourself for so long for what God has been trying to do in your life. This hand represents what you've been holding back from giving to God for so long because you're afraid. You're afraid of what will happen if you give even that little bit to God. Take this hand and you put it in your cloak. This is what you've been holding on so tight to, what's become so precious to you, and then you take it out, and there's nothing. This hand is dead. You know why it's dead? Because sometime, for something better to come alive, something first needs to die. Before the tree blossoms again, it has to let all of its leaves die in the fall. Before Jesus could conquer death and resurrect, he had to die. I know it hurts. I know it hurts right now. This hand is sick. This hand is dying. The Christian life is not easy. It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to face the challenges that the enemy has at you, and he comes at you when you last expect it. It's hard. But this hand, God is about to work a miracle in it. God continues. He's now... Put it back in your cloak. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And the word cloak, literally in the Hebrew, means heart. And when you take it to Jesus, when you take it to the one that you've given your heart to, and he's in control of your heart, he's in control of everything, you say, this is a way, this is what I can handle. I say, okay, God, I, I bring it to you now. I give it to you this morning. You take this hand of past mistakes of heart, of insecurities, of fears, and lies that you have believed, and you bring it to Jesus. And he works a miracle. You take it back, and you look at this, and you say, this hand is clean. This hand is alive. 
You trusted yourself to accomplish God's plan in your life for so long, and it hasn't worked so far, and it's not going to work. Because it's not, God doesn't expect you to accomplish His plan in your life. He is the one that does His plan in your life. He is the one that works the miracle, not you. So give it to God this morning. You take this hand and say, God, you take it. Because God doesn't use the powerful. He doesn't use the one that are talented with what they can do with their hands. No, He used the hands of the humble that makes themselves available today. God isn't concerned about what's hiding in your closet or what you did or what you didn't do. God says, you leave the past behind because I want to use you today. And this morning you'll be surprised what God can do with your insecurities. After Christian men in Bible school, some people refer to it as bridal school. It's kind of true. And I'm, I was graduating. She was doing a one-year discipleship program. And then she was going to the island to do her uh, teaching degree. And I went back to Quebec at Laval University to do my master right after. And so we did two years of long distance. It was, it was challenging. We had lots of fights about stupid Skype and Google Talk. No, my gosh, I'm still getting frustrated just talking. I'm just thinking about it right now. It was, it was, it's these things. It's like it's. We were, we were thankful we didn't have to write to each other and wait three weeks before we can get another update. But sometimes you're trying to talk and you're like, "What did you say?" And then you repeat yourself, "What?" And then you repeat yourself, "What?" Forget it. Why are you upset at me? Oh my gosh! Right now, I'm not upset at you. Well, you sound like you're upset. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to bed. Why? I don't understand. What? <laughs> but when it worked, though, oh, it was magnificent. It was so good. I was in Quebec. We're three hours ahead. And sometimes we would talk up to like three, four in the morning. It would be midnight here, one in the morning for her here. We had a blast. One of our favorite things was watching fell, fell videos and funny videos and stuff like this. And we would be like, okay, one, two, are you okay? Make sure your mouse is on the play button, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Are you ready? I already clicked play. Oh, hold on. Okay, let's do this again. <laughs> one, two, three, play. And then we're watching it. And we know how sync we are when one person's laugh. And you so you just ruined it for me. Pause your thing for two seconds because you're ahead of me. <laughs> and. And then the other one pauses, and then you catch up, and we finally make it. And then we're laughing, and we're having a good time. And then at 2 in the morning, I hear a knock on my door. I say, oh, uh-oh. So I go to the door, and it's, my, it's the guy that lives next door. I live in dorms. And he says, says hey, um, is it possible to laugh quietly? Did I wake you up? Huh? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And so after this, I go and I, I, I felt so bad. And I'm laughing, kind of like putting a pillow in my face. <coughs> and Krishna is dying because she's like, what's funny is not even what's funny. is you trying to not laugh, but laugh. And, he, and I'm trying to like be quiet and laughing. But sometimes I let it one out and, and, my, and it's very loud. And I feel so bad. In the morning, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. So I go by and I'm like, I need to apologize appropriately to, this, to my roommate. So I go and I say, hey, Ben, I'm so sorry for waking you up last night. 
Oh, he said, he didn't wake me up. I'm like, do you remember coming to my room at 2 in the morning last thing? Oh, yeah. It, it's not because you woke me up. The guy next door came to me, and he's like, hey, can you laugh quietly? And I'm like, I'm sleeping. <laughs> so I just went to let you know, because you were waking up the guy's three rooms down the hallway. I became very insecure about my laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I will never laugh again. <laughs> Humor is overrated anyway. I don't laugh. Obviously, it was not true. It was um, what we call an exaggeration. It was, not to be met, it was not to be taken literally. And this next verse that we're going to look at has been taken literally for a long time and, and there's a lot of misunderstanding of what's going on here in this passage but it's not meant to be taken literally it's one of the most misunderstood verse in the Bible I think and this is the verse verse 10 Moses said to the Lord pardon your servant Lord so polite I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant I am slow of speech and tongue I have never Moses says been eloquent well Moses was actually a great public speaker he knew both Hebrew and Egyptian he was very well versed in both languages he did a huge amount of public speaking in the reminder of the Pentateuch narrative in the law and yet nowhere does he reveal having the slightest speech hesitancy or inability to make himself understood why then does he claim to be slow of speech and tongue and it's called exaggerated Humility. Similar to when my wife asked me, Samuel, could you do the dishes? I said, oh honey, I have never been good at doing the dishes. <laughs> not before we were married and not since we got married. What I'm saying is not that I'm bad at doing the dishes. In a roundabout way, I'm saying I don't want to do the dishes. In a roundabout way, what Moses is saying is not I'm bad at public speaking, is I don't want to do and free you people. I've tried this in the past and it didn't work. I've tried this in the past and I got hurt. I've tried this in the past and they broke my heart. I've tried to help these people and they rejected me. And I don't want to be rejected again. I don't want to be hurt again. You call someone else. I don't want to do it. This exaggerated humility is not something new in the Bible. We've seen it other places. Saul claimed to be of an obscure in origin when he was, in fact, from a prominent family in 1 Samuel chapter 9. David claimed to be a nobody. After he had been praised by 10,000 men coming in the city, he was already a popular war hero. Paul claimed to be the lowest of low among God's people in Ephesians and Timothy when he was, in fact, already a very influential Christ uh, apostle. Moses was a great public speaker. But it had been a long time. He had become insecure about his abilities. And he wasn't sure anymore that he could do it. He was old now. And so God told him. And so he told God, verse 13, Pardon your servant, Lord, but please send someone else. And there's someone here this morning, you've become so insecure about your abilities that you can't imagine God could ever use you for something significant. But let me tell you this morning, God wants to surprise you. Because this morning you can either say, I'm going to let my insecurities continue to guide me, 
Or you can say, God, you take this hand of insecurities and you heal it because I want to follow what you have for me. And so Moses took his hand of insecurities and he said, okay, God, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand and I'm afraid, but I'll go where you lead me. And this is what I, tell, well, this is what I want to tell God this morning. I said, God, you take my hand of insecurities. You take my hand of past mistakes. You take my hand of so little that I have. And I say, God, surprise me this morning. I'll invite the worship team as I conclude. God takes what Moses considers as so insignificant, this simple staff. And God uses it to perform miracles and to work the impossible. When all this is said and done, and Moses says, okay, I will go. Verse 17, God tells Moses, take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. I love how God doesn't look at Moses and says, Moses, now that we've established that you're a great public speaker, take your great voice, take your knowledge of the Hebrew language and the Egyptian language, take your past victories, take your hopes for tomorrow, No. God says, take your rod. Take this simple rod. Take your shepherd staff that you might not be ashamed anymore of where you came from, but honored that this is where God called you from. And perhaps your staff is your unfinished degree or diploma, your inexperience in the field that God is calling you to. Maybe it's a mental illness that you've been battling for so long. Maybe it's your poor athletic abilities that you feel have been holding you back. Maybe it's your family history that you're ashamed of. Maybe it's your physical appearance. Maybe it's your age. Whatever you're ashamed of or insecure of this morning, God says, don't let this disqualify you, but let me surprise you what I can do. And so Moses grabbed his staff and he headed for Egypt. And this morning, God wants to invite you to take your hand of doubts and insecurities and fears that have kept you away from your Egypt and tell God, surprise me this morning, God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you surprised Moses. That when he thought that you had abandoned him after 40 years of silence, after 40 years, and he built himself a new life. He built himself a new profession. He built something else with his own hands. But Lord, you came to him and you said, Moses, I didn't forget about you. And Lord, this morning there are people here that think that you forgot about them. But I pray that they will be reminded this morning that you didn't forget about them. But you reveal yourself to them this morning, Lord. And I pray that whatever... People have been holding on this morning. We give it to you, God, this morning. And we say, Lord, surprise us. Surprise us with what Jericho Road Church can do in Port Alberni, Lord. Surprise us in what can come out of this church to bless this community and bless the island, Lord Jesus. Lord, this morning, we give it to you. And we say, God, we've been trying for so long on our own. We are done trying to do it on our own. This morning, we give it to you. We surrender it all to you, Lord. And we say, God, surprise us today. Surprise me, Lord, of what you will do. Because we are expecting you to show up. If you don't show up, nothing we do is worth doing. But Lord, this morning we expect that you will show up. And that you will make everything we do meaningful. 
Because we are not doing it for our own sake. We are not doing it for our glory. But everything we do, Lord, we give it to you and we say, May it be for your glory, God, in heaven. May Jericho Road bring heaven down in Port Alberni, Lord Jesus. May heaven touch the island through this church, through these people here this morning, Lord. We give it to you for your glory. In your name we pray. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.